Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Bros Podcast. We are Two Bros. This is the Two Bros Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Join again as always with the big brother. Hello, sir. Welcome again. Thank you so much for having me, sir. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so in this uh, episode, we're going to discuss the uh, game week, game week number fifteen that happened uh, on over the weekend. Now, games coming in thick and fast. We have another game week uh, later today, which is something which I found out uh, not too long ago. Thanks to you, bro. But a uh, lot of action, a lot of footballing happening around, and some very, very uh, interesting results. So let's get right to it. Uh, the game we couldn't have asked for a better game, uh, you know. Compare, you know, uh, relatively speaking, uh, it was Leicester versus United at the King Power. We are, it's essentially uh, a team which is second playing a team which was second, I should say, uh, playing a team which was third, and a win either way could have taken you know big leaps and bounds in terms of the title race. But uh, a two-two draw in the end, a bit of a disappointing results for United fans. Now I saw this uh, game myself, but before I talk about it, I want to get your views on this. What do you feel as a United fan? A point gained or two points lost? No, oh, definitely two points lost. I mean, we were we controlled the game. I mean, we limited Leicester to you know we didn't let them play the kind of game they play the free flowing football. The I mean the passes. I think defensively we were strong. We were quite rigid. Except for those uh, two goals that were conceded, I mean, obviously the second goal was a deflection. Jamie Vardy found himself in a very good position. He uh, took a shot, but it kind of scuffed it, and it came off to one Zabi's knee, basically. Uh, David De Gea total, uh, you know, uh, stuck, uh, you know, in the wrong position. Nothing can be done about that. But the first goal, I think they should have pressed him down. Harvey Barnes finding a lot of space outside the box. McTominay just not closing him, and even Eric Bailly just sort of hanging back. But uh, definitely, definitely two points lost for me. And if ha- United had, uh, you know, won uh, this game, it would have been really interesting because as we'll find out later, Liverpool did, in fact, drop points uh, against West Brom, which is another very interesting result. But definitely uh, two points drop for me. I said, especially because United dictated uh, the game for, you know, the majority of the time. And they are going to rue the chances they missed, especially, you know, uh, chances like Rashford, the, the chance he had in the opening minute. A free header from like four yards out and he just, uh, you know, got under the ball instead of getting over it and heading it down, uh, put it over the bar. So, yeah, I think United are going to look back at this result as, uh, you know, uh, points definitely dropped, in my opinion. I saw that. And, uh, of course, the Rashford miss looks worse every time you look at it. Mm -hmm. But I want to take you back to the first goal that Leicester scored. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to ask you about something that's not discussed, uh, maybe. We we know the quality Bruno Fernandes brings into the team Mm -hmm. at the offensive end. But I have seen, and I don't know if you picked it up on uh, as well, uh, there seems to be a knack of giving away the ball around his box. Yeah. And essentially, that's what led to Barnes's first goal. Uh, Bruno Fernandes tried to, you know, pass it through the legs of mm-hmm. NDD, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it got laid off and laid off a second time to uh, Harvey Barnes. And he buried it. Mm-hmm. So, is that something that, you know, Bruno needs to sort of iron out from his game? Is it a one-off? What do you think? So, it wasn't just one mistake that was made, uh, like I said. But let's start from the beginning. I mean, yes, of course, uh, Bruno Fernandes had the option. I mean, you clearly... Uh, you know, in an advanced uh, area in your own uh, defensive uh, region, you have to clear the ball. If you don't have a pass, just thwack it outside. And uh, trying to be clever to play those nutmegs is going to, you know, uh, cost you if it doesn't come off, that is. 
Bruno Fernandes and uh, I would say a lot of United players in that uh, you know respect are uh, to be blamed for losing the ball very very cheaply. I mean, think of Paul Pogba the number of times he tries to do those flicks and tricks and eventually falls and he loses the ball in dangerous positions. Bruno Fernandes is no stranger to that. He has lost the ball, yes. And in fact, Solskjaer was asked about this during the post-match conference. And uh, the, re- the excuse he gave, let's say, was uh, that Bruno Fernandes, because of the kind of player that he is, he is given the freedom to you know, try out those risky passes or risky maneuvers, even if he does give away the ball. But in this case, even after the ball was given, it was still not a clear-cut uh, chance, to, so to speak. McTominay and Fred just kind of hung back. And uh, they did not close down Harvey Barnes. And uh, we know how good they are. And I mean, talk about Leicester's midfield. You have uh, Harvey Barnes, you have James Madison, who are so good with their feet. They can bury shots from any of those uh, areas. And this was perfectly positioned for Harvey Barnes. And yeah, he made United pay. And I think I think we'll be a little too critical if we uh, blame Bruno Fernandes for this. Because, I mean, players do lose balls. I mean, let's not, uh, you know, split hairs here. But, uh, well, definitely uh, something United players have to look into when it comes to, you know, holding on to the ball, especially in the defensive areas. A good point there. And, uh, you know, Leicester, I thought, as a neutral, were fair value for their draw. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do think that United had maybe uh, slightly better chances. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm looking at the stats and they had four shots on target compared to Leicester's two. But I think on the balance, a draw is a fair result. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, again, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm I'm pretty sure, uh, uh, you know, United fans and United players and United management will look at this as points dropped. And uh, it could have been uh, something very, very interesting, uh, you know, if if uh, we had won those three points. But uh, talking about three points, one, Aston Villa again, uh, 3-0 wins against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace a bit, how do I say this? They're a bit, they're not consistent, are they? I mean, they they get the big results every now and then. But the games you do expect them to, you know, fight for or maybe give uh, get a draw even. Let's say a game against Aston Villa. No, don't get me wrong. Aston Villa, in the form of their lives, they find themselves on 7th, having uh, gained 25 points from 13 games. Mind you, they've played two games uh, fewer than uh, the other teams. One because of the late start to Man City season and one, of course, the game that was cancelled against uh, Newcastle. They've got two points less. Essentially, that takes them up to 31. That's second in the table if they win those games, that is. But uh, Villa in uh, top form, but Crystal Palace is languishing and just not uh, getting the job done. You know, and I'm, I'm looking at the lineup. Obviously, uh, they had everybody playing. They had Benteke, they had Zaha, they had Eze, they had Milivojevic, they had Schlup. A full strength uh, Crystal Palace, just not uh, good enough. Well, Crystal Palace are the very definition of a mid table team. You know, they blow hot and cold. Uh, Zaha, when he turns up, he's one of the best uh, wingers or attacking midfielders that you have in the Premier League. But, you know, to me, I want to talk about something else which has affected me deeply. Mm-hmm. And this is Tyron Mings. Yeah. I bought him <laughs> at the expense of four points. Uh-huh. He was my extra buy for the FPL this week, which right. means I gave up four points and I put in a minus two. Now, assuming there was another person who I would have... Uh, taken and he would have got me just a stable two points. Mm-hmm. I have lost eight points because of this guy's rashness. Yeah. And I want to say that I'm never picking him again, ever. <laughs> and those eight points effectively are the difference between a 42-point lead over you uh-huh. and a 50-point lead over you, yeah. which would have been a nice thing to savor 
at the midway uh, you know stage of the season well i think uh, with the advent of var i mean obviously this didn't go to var at all but with the var the number of penalties and the number of red cards have kind of skyrocketed this season isn't it i agree and i don't know if the penalties have skyrocketed i've seen an equal number of decisions overturned mm-hmm. uh yes at the beginning it did feel like penalties are being given but i think over the course of a season they'll be averaged out for for the penalties that are cancelled after being given mm-hmm. and uh, red cards for sure i agree yeah. you know there is a degree of uh, retrospect that the var has brought in and uh, i would say fair play you know uh, people who are getting away with dirty tactics they should go yeah i mean uh, definitely one of the areas where uh, refereeing decisions uh, really need to get uh, you know pulled up a bit is uh, with those dangerous tackles leading to some serious uh, injuries over the years but uh, glad to see number of red cards at least the ones which are well deserved uh, you know looked at and reviewed and given now a team that is no stranger to red cards and uh, misfortune finally turned it around against uh, the let's say the most unexpected match ever arsenal taking down chelsea 3-1 So I watched this game uh-huh. and I watched it in disbelief. <laughs> and I kept waiting for something to go wrong right. and it almost did. Mm-hmm. You know, we gave away a goal in the 85th minute, we gave away a penalty. Mm-hmm. And then something happened which I must be honest, I haven't seen in a long long time. Mm-hmm. An Arsenal keeper actually saving a penalty. Oh yeah. Now we've done it in cup competitions, but I can't remember the last time in the Premier League one of our keepers saved. Mhm. So it was a welcome reprieve. Jorginho, uh, I think, massively overrated player. He's not worth, uh, you know, the wages that they pay him. Mm-hmm. He had a tame penalty, which was saved very well by Leno, and it spared us the blushes on what would have been an extremely nervy final two three minutes. So this whole thing is unexpected. It is the definition of 2020. You know, Arsenal beating Chelsea after such a wretched run of form. Now, does this victory mean a lot? Mm-hmm. The answer to this question is in tomorrow's match. Right. If we go and drop points against Brighton, then this victory will mean nothing. Mm-hmm. But if we are able to cement this victory with another win, then you've got yourself back-to-back wins. You're up to twenty points, and you're back in the mix. Yeah. So, bro, credit where credit is due. There was I remember we were talking about Arsenal in our previous episode. where we did basically a, a round up of how the premier league has been so far now you made two bold statements uh and one of them came true and one of them didn't and i think you'll be happier either way one of the things that you said was why don't we start playing guys like emil smith row and they did obamiang started on the bench by the way and uh, guys like pablo mari and pablo mari also started on the bench and clearly uh, they made a difference and obviously your number 7 bukayo saka what a worldy of a goal now questions are being asked if he meant it or if he didn't mean it a goal's a goal i mean i'll take it any day one of the other things you got wrong uh, the the only thing you got wrong was that united the the only game arsenal are going to win this year is going to be against brighton but happy days in the uh, in the arsenal game isn't it we have three win winners over in a london derby is uh, you know you'll, you'll take it any day isn't it i will take it any day and uh, my prediction of uh, of brighton being the first team that we'll be able to beat uh i'm happy that it was proved wrong uh, i was fearing the worst mm-hmm. when i saw the lineup and saw a bunch of kids go up against chelsea mm-hmm. but you know what this has done this has exposed chelsea a little bit yeah and uh, you know west ham will be ruining the fact that they did not 
go after this Chelsea side and they allowed them to play and grow into the game and ended up losing despite having the majority of the possession. Mm-hmm. If they had run at Chelsea the way the Arsenal front four ran at Chelsea, you would have probably found that West Ham were more than a match for Chelsea themselves. So, getting back to the match in hand, what I saw was mm-hmm. energy. It is this energy that has been missing. The likes of Brilliant, the likes of uh, Pepe, mm-hmm. they've just not been good enough. And all of a sudden, when you run at opponents, you know, we've seen it in five-a-side, we've seen it in football. The team with the more with the most energy yeah. almost always wins. Sometimes you can't overcome the gulf in class, mm-hmm. you know, but most of the time, it's the team that is full of running that wins. And, you know, guys like Timo Werner, mm-hmm. by the way, you know, so much has been written about Aubameyang being on the longest scoreless streak uh, etc. Timo Werner is on a scoreless streak of his own. Yeah, that's true. It is probably the most uh, long scoreless streak of his professional career, or at least of the last three, four years. Then you've got guys like Ziyech, Pulisic, and uh, who's the other guy they signed over the summer? Havertz. Um, Kai Havertz. Havertz. Those guys missing in action. Yeah. So questions will be asked of Chelsea. I think Reese James. He had a torrid night against Saka mm-hmm. and uh, against Martinelli. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone can run at you and you're a fullback and he puts that doubt in your head that should I pass it first go, should I turn, should I take a touch? If that doubt enters your mind, that guy has already done his job. That's a very good point, sir. And staying on Chelsea a little bit, because after spending uh, so much money, you would eventually, people were, uh, you know, writing Chelsea as... Uh, title contenders for this season but I I hope questions are being asked of uh, Frank Lampard and you know there's uh, the, the British uh, media pressure should be put on, on Chelsea as well the way I mean think of the scrutiny that uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer goes through uh, Chelsea obviously uh, well, let's say got 7 wins 4 draws and 4 losses but they are 8th in the Premier League table at the at the moment at the end of this game week I do hope some questions are being asked and Frank Lampard is put on the spot because it's uh, like, uh, you know, you, you, you'll agree with this. The level of scrutiny that these clubs get, for instance, Chelsea and Man City and even Liverpool is, is kind of, you know, it's, it's less compared to, let's say, the scrutiny that, uh, you know, Arsene Wenger maybe went through or even at this point, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's a bit unfair, to be honest. Well, uh, I would lay the blame at uh, the doorstep of British media. Mm -hmm. If you read opinion pieces from across the continent, I think they're more balanced. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it makes for better reading as well. About the level of scrutiny, well, British media has long given a longer rope to to homegrown players and, you know, player-turned-coaches than they have to foreign imports. So, no surprises there. But uh, I don't see it changing at least in the next decade or so. And uh, to our listeners, if you think that we are picking sides here, I would definitely recommend you to watch a football game which has uh, Jim Beglin as the commentator. Watch him commentate against for a match in which Liverpool are playing or let's say a game in which uh, United are playing. I remember there was a point in uh, the match against Leicester where the, a tackle was given and obviously you couldn't tell what it was. But Jim Beglin straight away went and said, oh, he's made the most of it. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, you know, that's poor sportsmanship and I hate it. You know, as a commentator, you're not supposed to... I don't know, I'm, I'm on the fence with this. But if he plays for Liverpool, he's all about them uh, superlatives, talking about Salah and Mane. And uh, similarly, you have uh, this guy, uh, what's his name, Townsend. Is it... 
what's his name down what's the andy andy towns and andy towns when he plays when he commentates for a chelsea game he's all superlatives but when he talks about somebody else he's very very critical so there's clearly a bias here we're not just picking sides here, but uh, make your own mind uh, for that uh, you know whatever but uh, moving on uh, business as usual for uh, man city tunnel winners against uh, you know uh, newcastle united and the, the talking point of this game was the return of sergio aguero he almost got into the score sheet if it wasn't for dalo who saved uh, you know had a goal line clearance but uh, city finding themselves in a bit of a uh, you know, small, let's say, kind of a momentum, but again, a big miss. And uh, in terms of, I remember you had Mares in your team, and Mares again not starting for the fantasy Premier League uh, managers out there. I can't, for the love of God, buy you know, figure out why Mares <laughs> isn't starting mm-hmm. with the games coming so thick and fast. You would fancy him to get a run, and then you look at the opponents Man City have, and you always fancy Mares to get in and you know score a goal. Yeah, he's been on zero for the last two game weeks. Exactly, and I don't know what to do with him. Maybe I'll drop him. Maybe I'll keep him. I don't know. Is there any other uh, pick? I only see Jack Grealish out there, who's in the similar range, and you know playing well consistently maybe i'll sign him i tell you in terms of man city the the way i see it the only two or three maybe uh, players who are uh, uh, you know sure for starting are definitely edison in goal kevin de bruyne is one and i would say eight times or nine times out of 10 it's going to be raheem sterling but everybody else is a giant uh, question mark i mean talk about uh, aguero and then talk about bernardo silva talk about mares talk about Anybody else now, and obviously now uh, with the news coming in that uh, Gabriel Jesus and Kyle Walker have tested COVID positive, so we don't really know what's uh, going to happen. But definitely, if you're looking for Man City players, I would recommend uh, maybe KDB or Raheem Sterling, or if you have money for a goalkeeper, Edison Morales. Now moving on. Now Kyle hmm. Walker. Kyle Walker is the reason why I went in for Teron Mings in the first place. Right. When I read up that he's tested COVID positive, I lo- started looking around and I thought I'll save some money by getting an informed defender and look where that landed me. Well, well, that's the nature of the game, isn't it? Now, talk about a team that's made a resurgence. Now, the Merseyside teams are back in 1-2. and two. Everton, 1-0 winners against uh, Sheffield United. Now, enough has been said about Sheffield United. We're not going to dig uh, their grave one more time. Uh, a, a narrow victory, but uh, you know, Everton the clear favourites. And uh, I want to talk about a point that you had stressed upon last time. They are obviously missing their big, uh, big money signing, uh, James Rodriguez. But Everton have found a way to work without him. With Gilfie Sigurdsson now finding his his uh, position back in the team, with playing Alex Iwobi on the on the wide hand side. A, a great uh, turnaround for Everton season. They're now again uh, on second, three points behind uh, Liverpool, having played the same number of games. In the month of December, Everton have taken more points than any other team. In fact, they're on a run of four consecutive victories, which uh-huh. is the longest run off of any side right now. And you really fancy them. They're going to play Man City tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can come through that with a draw... Uh, you know, you don't fancy them, you know, springing a surprise here and there. Do I think they're in the title race? No. But I do think this may be their best shot yet for a top four finish. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, remains to be seen where Everton uh, turn up. I mean, very, very, very interesting team to watch. And with the return of James Rodriguez, I mean, 
it's only going to get better, I would think, because he doesn't subtract from the team. I think James Rodriguez only adds quality to any side that he's in. A bit unfortunate about his career at Real Madrid and Bayern München, but maybe he can have a bit of a resurgence at Everton. We don't know. It remains to be seen. Talking about another team that has uh, been interesting to watch, Leeds United. One little winners over Burnley. Burnley again in a total, utter freefall, languishing in 17th. Just uh, playing footsie with the guys, uh, the three uh, bottom three teams of Fulham, West Brom and uh, Sheffield United. No, I love Leeds. Uh, just watch, just watching them play. It's just a fantastic uh, team to watch. But it's good to see them, uh, you know, get uh, on the score sheet and uh, get all three points finally after, after, uh, after a while. Definitely like watching Leeds. Um, one thing they have to figure out and figure out fast is their defensive shambles. Mm-hmm. Yes, they got a clean sheet finally, but they've got 30 goals conceded, which is uh, the highest in the division. Uh, shortly following Leeds are Crystal Palace with 28 goals uh, conceded. And then, you know, you've got the teams at the bottom like West Brom and Sheffield United and Brighton to some extent. But take a wild guess as to which is the next team in terms of goals conceded. Uh, yep. Arsenal? It is Manchester United. What? I thought it was Arsenal, yep. man. With, with 23 goals conceded, Man United are uh, in the top five in terms of goals conceded. Arsenal are uh, very respectably placed in, uh, you know, with 19 goals conceded. Arsenal's problem are at the other end. That's well, well, it's no secret United have had their uh, defensive woes this season. I mean, Harry Maguire and whoever partners them, they just don't seem to, uh, I don't know, get the job done. And even with two defensive reinforcements in terms of Fred and McTominay or Matic or whoever plays in that position, I don't know. Uh, well, something to look forward to, uh, you know, and work on, I would say. Now, we had a mid-table clash between West Ham and Brighton. 2-2, it finished. Uh, nothing really to talk about. But the interesting point here, the next game, Liverpool versus West Brom. And I had made Mohamed Salah my captain expecting a demolition. But it was a 1-1 draw at Anfield. Now, in the years, follow the years to come, Anfield has become a bit of a fortress. And coming away with any points at all has become a big deal. Let alone for a team which, you know, you expect to get bamboozled. They're coming off with the, with the point. West Brom 19th. And Big Sam... Making a difference straight away. Well, Big Sam is a specialist mm-hmm. and he does things a certain way. And when teams buy into his philosophy, you know, they, they grind out the results. Now, West Brom are up to eight points and they are just a couple of wins away from safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to point out that in making Mo Salah your captain, you were probably... Uh, thinking on the same lines as 6 million other <laughs> fantasy Premier League managers yeah. who pretty much, I think, were about 70-75% of the total fan base playing fantasy Premier League. Mm-hmm. Everybody expected this demolition and I was one person who bet against it. Yeah. And I said, I will not take the risk of making more, of you know losing another four points to Mo Salah because of these... Fixtures coming thick and fast. It might just be that, you know, he plays 60 minutes or he comes off of the bench. Mm -hmm. And lightning does not strike twice. So, I took that gamble. I wouldn't say it was an educated guess or a, you know, inspired substitution. I just took that gamble and I'm glad that it paid off. Another gamble that paid off was keeping Roman Saez in my team. Did that pay and then some... 
the next game we it had paid uh, off definitely the game we had was wolves versus spurs at at molineux and obviously spurs off to a fly and this is a thing that they've been doing a lot this season getting that early goal now again spurs within scoring within the first minute how many times have we seen them do that this season son got a very early goal i remember and uh, they did it again with endombele on the score sheet within the first minute and uh, wolves leaving it late with two of your players combining pedro neto with the assist and roman saiz with the goal i mean uh, points galore for you for for you know from wolves and uh, i think i had max kilman who didn't even play and podens didn't do much so yeah i mean points dropped again uh, for spurs but did we expect them to win this game well i expected uh, tottenham to you know win it easily mm-hmm. but uh, credit to wolves you know this is a tough tough period to call you know there is a game every 3 days and when you play your first team players and tottenham we know are relying on son and kane and you know when they draw a blank tottenham drop points as as simple as that mm-hmm. uh, now in this particular game week after you know the happy uh, coincidence of both pedro neto and uh, roman saiz scoring points for me i shouldn't be complaining too much but along with my gripe about tyron mings i have one other thing to say mm-hmm. which is i had thomas susek on the bench yeah. and he scored eight points as well <laughs> and i could have picked him yeah in fact i could have just put him as first of my substitutes mm-hmm. and you know instead of mares i would have got eight points but instead i put ben chilwell as mm-hmm. my first sub and wow. ben chilwell got me all of one point betting against your own so, team <laughs> very very interesting i know yeah very interesting now a bit surprising that but wardy was given that goal even though it was a bit of an own goal wasn't it but uh, i mean list as a tuan zebi own goal uh, maybe not maybe wardy was uh, downgraded to an assist but a uh, lot of talking points a very interesting uh, game week that we had and uh, like i said earlier games coming in thick and fast another game week starting uh, tonight with uh, some interesting fixtures i mean nothing great tonight oh wait there is a game interesting interesting game tonight it's it's everton versus uh, man city ancelotti versus pep guardiola they have faced off in you know when they were managers of the big leagues when i think ancelotti was at bayern munich and uh, guardiola was at barcelona remains to be seen uh and uh, well then we go from there very interesting game week now something to look forward to this game week bro what is the game uh, that's got your eye well I would say that uh, this game week's got something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Right from the start, you've got Crystal Palace playing Leicester City, and Leicester, if they want to stay in the mix, these are the games they have to win. Mm-hmm. These are the games that Leicester sort of drop points at, and Crystal Palace, we've talked about how unpredictable they are. So Leicester really have to get this win, you know, to be considered that they're up there in the mix. Mm-hmm. The second game, Chelsea versus Aston Villa. What do you reckon, Lampard? Will he ring in the changes? What do you think? I think Aston Villa are again an, an, another unpredictable team. They can destroy Liverpool seven uh, one or seven two, whatever that was, and then go and lose the easy fixtures. So they are capable of that uh, upset, but I think they lack that uh, consistency in their uh, performances. But Chelsea obviously will want to bounce back, so I'm expecting a Chelsea win here. Maybe a two one or a or a three one. Maybe I think it's going to be a two one. Uh, I mean, obviously hard to say. but uh looking at the uh, fixtures for this week i think it's going to be a very high scoring week for in terms of fantasy premier league we got leicester playing crystal palace goals there chelsea playing villa i'm sure their goals there everton man city are basically a demolition happening arsenal playing brighton 
guessing their goals there. Southampton should get on the score sheet against West Ham. You know, West Ham a bit of, got a bit of a leaky defense. Leeds United against West Brom. I think Leeds can get some goals in. For me, uh, a very interesting fixture is going to be uh, United versus Wolves. Now, that's going to be at Old Trafford. We know our f- uh, home form is a bit of a hit and miss, to be honest. I mean, we have had a bit of a resurgence lately. But Wolves quite capable of uh, coming off uh, and causing an upset. So, we don't know about that. That's that's where, where I've got my eyes fixed on. And finally, we got Spurs versus Fulham. And I, I'm, I'm picking uh, goals there as well. And uh, that's why I've made Kane my captain. Any changes for you this week, uh, for the for the Premier League, Fantasy Premier League? Well, uh, I would like to read the COVID reports of players before I make my final substitutions only a few minutes before the deadline. That's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. However, I differ on one key thing from you, okay. brother. What is that? And that is, I don't think there will be too many goals in this game week. See, at this point of time in the season, you're just looking to scrape through games with as minimal collateral damage as possible. Mm -hmm. And players are already on tired legs. And, you know, if you add to that the mental fatigue Mm -hmm. of COVID-19, you will see a lot of tentative performances, a lot of single goal victories and a lot of draws. Mm -hmm. So I don't think any of these games is going to be high scoring. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, what do I know? I've been proven wrong before and a Tottenham, Fulham or a Newcastle, Liverpool, wherein both the teams are looking to respond and make a statement, you can fancy goals galore. No, bro, if you'll indulge me for a while, just open up your Fantasy Premier League app and uh, scroll down to the team value page. Now, this is a hack that I might have accidentally hit on this game week. Tell me your team's value, the total value, including what's left in the bank. Well... It is 101.5. Exactly. And what do you got in the bank? A total of that is 101.5, yeah? Yeah, this, this is the total, yeah. Okay, so this is definitely a hack that I have uh, stumbled upon. Now, what, you, what happens is, uh, if you know that there is a change you're going to make, what happens is, after the game week, you, uh, you see on Twitter, these price rises and these price falls. Now, if you have a player and his price tends to fall... Uh, you lo- your team loses value, right? You, it, I mean, obviously, everybody starts with 100.0 and eventually it goes up or it goes down. Now, what I have been doing is that if there is a change I want to make right away, let's say a player is injured or he's got COVID, I replace him before the game week ends. So if there is a price drop or a price rise, I don't get affected. And any of the players which I have, let's say I have Salah, I have Kane, I have Son, I have Bamford, I have had Calvert-Lewin for a while, their prices have gone above and beyond from what they are, the beginning levels were. Brother, my team value, including adding the value in the bank, is 104.3. So clearly, there what? is... Exactly. There is something going on here. I think I might be on to something. It's 104.3 and 104.3 is a major difference between, uh, you know, going from 100 to 104. So there is something there. You might want to check that out, uh, listeners. Uh, I mean, I'm not too sure if that's an actual science, but I don't see any other explanation. There is a there is something there. You might want to look into it. So, so well, basically, you yeah. are selling before the price falls. I'm and selling you're bef- buying before the price rises. I'm selling before the game week ends. So essentially, yeah, before the price falls happen, and I'm holding on to these players which are increasing in value like Son and Kane and Bruno Fernandes and Salah. 
and uh, and Calvert Lewin and Bamford, you know, guys like these who started cheap. Imagine how remember how cheap uh, Calvert Lewin was in the beginning. I think he was a seven point zero. Now he's like a seven point six, right? So you hold on to these value these players, and you get rid of these players which are going to lose money. For instance, let's say when Roman Saez got injured and he was going to be on the sidelines for a while, I got rid of him. Uh, really early instead of waiting for him to not play and then having the price right. So now my team is worth 104.3. And that is really funny when you consider that you're 50 points below me in the table. I've made a bunch 42. of changes. I've, I've taken a minus four again and I wish I had just held on for a couple of game weeks and held on to Chilwell because now I find myself wanting Chilwell again. I've completely overhauled my team but uh, clearly not working. Uh, it's not doing well. I got 51 points uh, last game week. The biggest miss for me was my captain, Mohamed Salah, and my vice captain uh, was uh, Son. Again, he was another miss. I should have played uh, Bruno Fernandes as my captain, but like they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. But the only way to look forward is forward. Uh, so, <laughs> well, that didn't come off right, did it? Anyway, uh, brother, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we have a very interesting uh, few days ahead of us. And uh, well, let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see how many of our predictions come true next, uh, you know, for the next game week. Alrighty, see you on the Thank next one. Thank you so much. Alrighty, bye-bye.